Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 311 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, we shared some learnings about asynchronous and synchronous approaches and their role in collaboration as we near the publication of the new Work From Home edition of our Collaboration Tools and Technologies book, which you can expect in summer. In this episode, we wanted to revisit our second brain projects and share our progress, learnings, and challenges. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be revisiting and giving our latest update on our second brain projects. Uh, if you want to learn more about what we've been doing to create and build our second brains, um, head over to the Legal Talk Network archives for this show. We've done a lot of episodes on it, um, so there's a lot of content there for you to listen to. Uh, in our second segment, we're going to ask the question, is it possible to have a monitor that is too big? And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip website, our observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first up, uh, our second brain project, or probably better said, our second brain projects, because we're finding and we're realizing that we have somewhat different priorities and approaches to how we're getting things set up. Or maybe perhaps put more accurately, some of us have had more time to work on their second brain than others. Um, I know that I will also want to talk about knowledge management topics in general, because some of you may not be all in on Notion. Some of you may be looking at other things. So I, I have some resources for you that I think will be useful. Um, but since we're both using Notion as our respective second brains, we'll probably be focusing on that as the tool with some general concepts and how it can be used during this segment. So Dennis, why don't you start out, why do you keep telling me that your second brain project has been one of your biggest technology wins ever? Well, because that's what I really think. It's really interesting. I mean, I like the fact that, you know, you and I had this idea for the second brain project and we started with the blank sheet of paper, basically, and we figured out what we needed uh, the job to be done, what tools we want to use. And uh, you know, we t I, I'm a little bit surprised because, you know, you see how personal this type of project is that we we landed on the same platform, which is Notion. Um, and there are some similarities, but we're starting to diverge as we go. But uh, so what I'm pleased with is, you know, finding the tool, how I've gravitated to it, how it's made sense to me. Uh, I see the potential and how Notion fits me. And I've as I've started to build the second brain, um, I've really incorporated it so much into what I'm doing and I use it on a daily basis and I just keep adding more to it. And I want to learn more and more about um, Notion to the point where I'm, I'm probably going to invest in a class in Notion to get to get even better. But I, you know, it's now it's just a, I feel like I have an actual project where I say, here's a roadmap, 
and here's a new set of features I'm adding to it. And, uh, and, but I think it's the dailiness of it and how, how great, uh, uh, it is as a platform that, that, uh, allows me to do the things that, that I want to do. So overall progress report, I'm, I'm like really pleased and, and, and continuing to make steady progress and looking forward to what's coming next. So, uh, I'm bullish on on what I've done, and you know, so I'll turn it over over to you, Tom, because I I think maybe I've gotten a little bit ahead of, ahead of you in this race to the second brain. Well, before we talk about what I've done, I mean, t- talk about some of the things that you focused on initially that 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 I can then bounce off kind of what I've been working on. So, you know, once I got the whole concept of just simple databases uh, with sort of these underlying basic uh, data sets that I pulled views of what's called views in Notion. So I could say, I want to show these things and I want to sort them in this order and do these things. And then I was able to create things. So um, I have a dashboard where I see the stuff that's important to me that pulls from four underlying databases. I'm doing uh, daily, I have a daily reflections spot. I have a daily habit tracker. Uh, On certain projects, I've organized things into sprints and uh, OKRs, and I have a reference notebook and a place that I keep notes to myself. So they're they're all all in one place. And so I sort of, some of these things have, I like to do more with them, but I'm just like really I, I think I have the right buckets and they work together in a way I want. And I think this dashboard notion of, you know, pulling, linking two databases and pulling onto a dashboard screen has just been, you know, really interesting and it has kind of powered my progress. So I wanted you to mention that because I think that that is one of the differences that we have. And, and I'll start by off the bat saying I just haven't had time. I, it's it's something that I really want and have a whole list of the things that I want to do. I just haven't had time to do it. I've, I've been, been working on some of it, but not to, I think, to the extent that you have. But here's where I think our difference of opinion lies. And, and maybe it's not a difference of opinion, but I think that as you have started to use Notion, um, either... either you are using it as more than a second brain or your definition of second brain has changed since we started talking about it. Because of the things you mentioned, dashboard, daily reflections, daily habit tracker, sprints and OKRs, that's not what we talked about in our opening episodes as being a what do you want to capture for a second brain. We talked about it being a knowledge vault, a place where we'd be able to capture all the notes and things that we took from the articles, the books we read, the podcasts that we listened to, to all of that stuff. And you are doing it more as uh, what what one of our the one of the people I listen to a lot of is August Bradley, who who is a big Notion expert. He would call your life operating system, and he would say that um, that that you are setting up different uh, different pillars of your life and the different uh, pipelines that you plan to match those to meet those pillars and then you may have some vaults that contain information that connect to all of that but it's not simply 
a place for the knowledge that you have that you want to keep. You're using it for more than that. I think I am going to use it for more than that also. Um, but right now, I'm still really focusing because it's the most the area that I have the most comfort on as building out my knowledge vault. So I have, and we've talked about in previous episodes, I've got a list of well over 200 books, articles, uh, podcasts, tweet threads, things that have gotten into my knowledge vault because I've highlighted them um, using the Readwise app, the Read It Later app, or not Read It Later, the Readwise app. Um, and I am now, what I've done is, I am creating areas on specific topics. So an area on artificial intelligence, an area on law practice management, an area on collaboration. And I am starting to link all of those notes to specific topics. So the idea being that once I've got all of that linking done, if I ever want to do an article on something or a blog post on something, or I want to get back to what, what have I captured about this particular issue, all I have to do is click to that area and it will show me all of the blog posts, all of the articles, all the book notes that I've got. So I'm pleased with the progress that I'm slowly making towards that, but I get the feeling that that's to me what I would consider to be the true second brain and that what you're describing is more than that. Yeah. So I, I think that the life operating system notion is a is probably a good way of, of thinking about it. I, mean, I don't think it's the perfect uh, you know metaphor, but but I think it's a good one. So I, I look and I say, you know, as as I get older, uh, one thing I notice uh, f from people around me, including myself, is that you don't remember everything, and you, you're always, you know, you want to put your your hands on things that you you think that you know, and then also you're starting to look at checklists and and other things like that. And so, to me, it's like if I can have this in one place, that's one piece of it. We haven't talked about the reference notebook because my reference notebook right now has hundreds of of links and items, and I do that on a, you know, that's this then sort of automatically with the save to Notion tool, um, and then it's captured. Right now, I haven't built it out in the way that you're talking about because because I'm, I question whether I really want to to tag things to certain topics and we've we've talked about that in, in prior episodes that's just sort of my my approach being a little bit different to yours and i just use the search tool if i want to find find things because you know that's a real even with hundreds of items that's a fairly small uh database to to do a search on my next step in that reference notebook is definitely going to be tagging so I, I'm not going to organize things into like the folders that you're doing. I'll probably use tags for that and then use multiple tagging on, on different things uh, to make that helpful and then do some excerpting and other things. And then I guess what I found uh, that was interesting to me, and we've talked about this uh you know, since we did the last podcast is that I just don't, I really have a hard time taking notes from, from things. And so for me, it's like, I just have to be able to capture something in a way that I can go back to it or just copy a chunk out of it or, you know, do something like that. Because I'm, you know, unless I force myself to, to do notes, I'm not good at that. And uh, so that's, that reference piece is that, uh, so there, there's that sort of research reference piece. And then there's this other thing that says, oh, here are, uh, 
I'm doing some inspiration boards. You know, I want to have like certain, uh, you know, the the numbers, contacts, other, you know, like uh, documents, those sorts of things that I might need to refer to all in one place as well. And they could go, they may stay in the reference notebook. They might go to something that's more like an archive, but I'm, I'm looking along those lines as too. So like I said, it's just become really diverse because once I figured out the sort of simple database plus views uh, and then having kind of these central repositories that you you pull out of um, it's it's really really just opened my eyes to the many things I can do well so I think another another I guess potential difference is I'm like you I'm less good at taking notes than I used to be I used to be better at taking notes and now I'm better at just saving web pages or articles or just whole things uh, and and I'm really getting, I'm really coming around to the idea, um, and, and I'll talk about this a little bit more at the end, um, of the notion between the note taker and the note maker, is that being a note taker um, is relative, would, I would argue that it's more, it's, it's a simpler process than being a note maker. Um, a note taker can be um, someone who just saves everything that they see and they take the, you know, they scribble down a, a quick note, put it in your reference file and you've got it. Um, the note maker is more deliberate and initially come, uh, put something down, but then comes back to it and revisits it and thinks more about it and refines it so that it's something that once at the end of it, when you finally ended it, it's something that you think will be truly useful to you when you move on. I'm not sure I'm describing it that well at this point, but I'm intrigued by the idea, and it's something that I would like to try to get better at, and I think Notion's a good tool to do that in. But I will say, one of the things that has changed since we did our last Second Brain project, as Dennis mentioned, is um, the fact that they have made da databases so much easier to use and manipulate and have views of, um, it's just so much easier to do. And, and frankly, my, my big example, the thing that is easy for me is, um, and let's, let's, let's put aside for a moment questions of privacy and all sorts of stuff, but I'm using Notion to keep track of my health care. Um, I want to be able to give my health history. I want to be able to know what happens because up until the past couple of years, I really didn't keep good track of that information. And what I'm finding now, and this is actually more around my father than around me, is keeping track of prescriptions is terrible um, because we've got lots of prescriptions we may have over a lifetime, but we're only taking you know a certain amount at the present moment. And so being able to have a full database of every drug that I've been prescribed for the last six or seven years is great. And then I filter it to only what I'm taking right now so that I just went to a doctor's, a new doctor's appointment this week. I printed out what I needed. I took it to them. I handed in and said, here's what I'm taking. And boom, it was so simple. It was, it just makes it really easy to capture that kind of information and have it in the view that is useful to you. And if you have multiple views, you can save it in multiple views. So maybe you want to see what you you're taking now. Maybe you want another view that shows, uh, you know, what what are the types of antibiotics that you've been on over, over history? I mean, just giving examples from mine, but but there are so many different ways to slice and dice it that um, it's it's really quite a powerful tool. Yeah. So I think that that you've really, I think you've really stated it well. So for me, what I I, I realized was I, I was doing this thing with like 
daily reflections or daily habit tracking. And I would get to the end of the month and I would say, oh, I need to like copy, copy that and say that's January and do a new one for February. And, you know, and then I was starting to proliferate these things. I had this notion of archive. And then I said, well, wait, I, now I understand it. It's sorting and it's filtering. And so what I, all I need to do is create views that say, uh, show me the last 30 days. And then I just have one you know, one database that has those reflections or habit tracking, and I just see what it is I need to see, and then I can sort or filter it. Um, I can add a column that says, you know, give it a one, two, or three priority. I can sort on that. Uh, I can look at, you know, work that needs to to be done, and, and we might, I think we're going to talk a little bit about whether it's taking the place of a to-do list or not, I have some thoughts, some thoughts on that. Um, and then I see some other things like, you know, what we talked about, the reference manual, uh, how do I put notes in there, tagging. And then actually what I see, the, the uh, my big thing I need to solve is not really a second brain issue. It's what I call the, the read later uh, problem where you save things in, in, uh, in, in the read, you know, that you think are, I'm going to read it later. I'm going to watch it later. I'm going to listen to it later. And then you, you don't do that. So I, I don't think that second brain, the second brain has captured. It's just that you haven't, I haven't figured out a good way to take action on that. Right. And I don't know, are you using notion as your read later source? Well, the idea is that I could, because I could go in that reference manual, uh, pull up some things that are tagged or that, you know, that I, I listen, you know, to watch, especially like videos and things like that. And then say, I'm going to spend, this is where I think I'm going to go to ultimately say, I'm just going to dedicate some time, say like on a Sunday morning, and I'm just going to go and, you know, kind of work my way through some of that read later stuff. And then maybe that's at the point that I will start to do, um, as you say, the, the note, the note making, which I think is, uh, what, what I would, would like to do is say, okay, I, now I've looked at this, let me see what I'm going to take from that and, and put that somewhere, uh, which we mean would sort of move from the reference manual where stuff is collected, uh, that I would just go back into, to this, this thing I call notes to myself, which is more, Something where I say, here's something I'm I'm probably going to act on in the future, and if I you know look at that that list you know once at the beginning of the month, and look at the last month of it or last two months, then I'll I've captured these ideas and say, do I need do I turn those into actions? Or are they uh, you know in the David Allen sense? Are they in go to the someday maybe file? Well, so I think we have I think we have different approaches to that because for me, and really part of what is the note maker is I don't want something I haven't read in Notion. I want to have read it ahead of time and highlighted what I found was important, and then those highlights get automatically transferred into Notion so that when I finally go into my Knowledge Vault and I see what I, what I highlighted from that article, I know that it's what I found important at the time, and then I can start from that and start making my notes in that way. And so I'm, I'm, I'm doing it differently, as a, is that I'm, I'm taking that action before it gets to the second brain because I feel like if I use my second brain as read it later, I may never get to it, and it may just sit there forever um, unprocessed. So I'd rather, I'd rather only put in there what I know I want to keep, and that's kind of how I'm doing it a little bit differently. 
Yeah, I was going to say that's a, but that's a great distinction to make is that um, that you say I want to process before it goes into second brain. I'm more comfortable saying the unprocessed stuff can go into second brain in one place, and then when I process it, it can move to something else. And, and I think that's the personal nature of second brain. And, and for our listeners, that to me, those are the things that you need to think through. And it's important to realize that for us, what we found is that notion can accommodate both those approaches. Um, the one thing I've struggled a bit with time that I think you've been trying in, in, I sort of go back and I look in my whole life, I've never done journaling. So it's like really hard to say I'm going to start it now. So even doing this daily habit tracker is a little bit difficult for me. But I think you've, uh, you know, either started to experiment with journaling or want to want to do some things on journaling. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because on the work to be done area of our script, I listed one bullet point, and that was journaling. Um, and the and and the reason for that is I have wanted to journal as well, and I I haven't found the right platform to do it. I'm not sure that Notion is the platform for me that I like that way. I, it 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 is not exactly what I want. You know, I've to be honest, I was a big fan when I had my Mac of the day one journal. I think that's one of the best journal products out there. And there are others that are similar, but none of them meet my criteria for a a good app, which is multi-platform. I want to be able to do it on my phone or on my computer or in a standalone app or on the web. And there just aren't a lot of journaling apps that do that. So I I don't want to go down that rabbit hole there because that's a little bit crazy. Um, So I'm, 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 I'm working on that. I may use Notion as my journal, but I like how some of these dedicated journal apps organize your your entries, um, and 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 Notion you have to do it yourself. And I don't know that I trust myself to set it up the same way that some of these other apps have done it a little bit better. So let's let's we're gonna I want to work towards wrapping up this segment. Um, you know that's part of my work to be done. The other things that I want to work on, um, you mentioned earlier about uh, task management. I don't want to use Notion as my task manager um, I, 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 because I think it's just too much work. You're creating it yourself where, you know, uh, things like OmniFocused or Todoist make it so much easier. What I prefer to do is find a way to connect Notion to Todoist so that if I have a task in a project, then it will automatically populate in Todoist. Uh, and now with the API, I think that's possible. I just haven't explored it yet, but that's really what I'd prefer to do because I'm comfortable using Todoist as my task manager. I'd love to be able to, to do that. The other thing that I'm working on is I'm working on review templates. So I, I, I have basic outlines for templates for a, a daily review, a weekly review, maybe a monthly review, um, an annual review. I'm, I'm creating a template for my Dennis Kennedy personal quarterly offsite review. Um, but I, I want to be able to use that review process to connect everything together, to say, here are the projects I worked on over this period of time. Um, here's what I've done. Here's what I haven't done. Here's what I need to move. Um, and have it in a good place. So that's one thing that I plan to work on is to start building in that review process as part of uh, the development of my no second brain. What about you, Dennis? Yeah, I mean, I I think I want to go back to this notion of the task list, you know, and doing that separately. And so I've been thinking, I reread the checklist manifesto, which was actually a, a 
quite a bit less impressive to me on the on this time through than the first time I read it. But the I'm I'm intrigued by the whole notion of checklists and of breaking projects into actions, which I think we've talked about before. And so what I see is uh, if I'm doing a checklist or I'm breaking a project into a, a set of actions, then the task list component, at least on a daily or short, short-term basis, is actually might be a little different. And I kind of prefer to use the second brain to say, here are the steps and here are the checklists and track those and to have the actual to-dos, you know, like call somebody, do whatever, those things separately. So I'm still struggling with that because you do have the sense that you're, you're, you're using two tools and maybe one will work. But so I have the things that I want to work on. So more turning things into action. I have a couple projects where it really makes sense to do inspiration boards, uh, you know, with photos and things I'm collecting, uh, some project management, what I call FAQs and fact lists, you know, like are the things I do on a regular basis that would be nice to just capture. And then I think that I keep, I realize I keep pushing back the whole notion of automating things. So I don't know whether that's even going to happen in 2022, but I see that still doing it down the line. And then I'm looking at the dashboard, which I'm really happy with, but maybe making some improvements. Uh, and then uh, I'm definitely going to do a Notion course. Uh, so I don't, I don't know what you're up to on that, but probably makes sense time to kind of go toward the end of the segment by talking, uh, you know, making recommendations for people who want to get started on their second brain project. Yeah, well, I will say I I did take a Notion course, um, and and what I have not taken full advantage of, but what I'm really going to like is the fact that it also offers a community of people who are also using Notion, mentors who can help, people who can provide advice. I plan to start using that and taking full advantage of it when I'm really working on it. So if that's ever of interest, there are several different courses out there to choose from. But if you don't want to take a course, if you want want to learn other things, um, my, the recommendation I'm going to make is um, to visit um, something called the Second Brain Summit. This was held a couple of weeks ago, and there was a little bit of the promotional nature to it to try to sell another course on building a second brain. But what I liked about it was there were different sessions on different types of second brains because we've been going on and on and on about Notion, but there's a lot of other tools that can be used. So there's there's a session on Notion, there's a session on Evernote, there's one on using OneNote, there's a session on Read It Later apps, uh, there's there's one on using the networked thinking apps like Obsidian, like Roam Research, um, and and I, I think that. That's a great place to start to get a lay of the land of the different options that you have and how you might create a second brain using one of these tools. Um, they're all for free on YouTube. I've put a link in the show notes. Um, Dennis, I think you're going to recommend kind of just generally looking for Notion things on, on YouTube. Anything more you want to add? Well, there are a couple of things. I would say that when you're doing your research and with the Second Brain Summit, I, I think people went into like too many details and saying like how you could do this cool programming and stuff. And I think they, and I was talking to somebody who was watching that video the same time I was, and they were just getting lost. And so I think that 
if you look at that and say, like, I, I just want to understand what they've accomplished and what it's doing for them and not worry about the how as you watch it, I think that will be more useful. And then just kind of sift through YouTube and say, what is it that I want to do? And look for the basic introductions and say, you know, this is too technical. This is this. I like this person. Don't like this person. Just find somebody you like who can explain it simply and I think the whole thing will make sense, but I, th I think you want to find the right video to watch. And, and if you feel overwhelmed by something, uh, then I would just switch and try something and see if there's something that's a little simpler or speaks to you a little better. All right. Before we uh, wrap it up, any last words? I mean, I think we're, we've got our marching orders on where we're headed. We'll probably come back in a couple of months and do another update episode. But anything to take us out, Dennis? No, I mean, I, I think that uh, uh, it's, I, I just find that if Notion works for you, that the second brain approach, because there's so many different things you can start with it and you can see benefits right away. And it's something that you can use. Like I said, for me, the key is it's something you can use on a daily basis. I think it's the type of project where you can you can kind of see results and stick with it and really grow with it. So if you're looking for something to do in technology that also just helps you in your daily life, as we, we all have so much, you know, going on all the time, this is a great project and it makes more sense than, you know, trying to figure out how, how to do pivot tables or something that you might only use like once or twice a year. Agreed. All right. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsors. Be the best resource you can for your Spanish-speaking clients with the Spanish Group's Legal Translation Service. Experienced translators ensure accurate translation of your documents with same-day delivery. Confidentiality is ensured, and the Spanish Group guarantees acceptance for certified translations. All that, and their rates are competitive. If you need other languages, the Spanish Group translates in over 140 languages. Mention Legal Talk 20 when you request your quote for 20% off your first translation. Visit thespanishgroup.org. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. It can be frustrating to wade through the malpractice insurance application process, but you know you need to protect your firm. Alps designed their application to be flexible, easy, and 100% online. Fill it out, review your quote, accept, and pay in as little as 10 minutes. Alps is the nation's largest direct writer of lawyers' malpractice insurance, and they are endorsed by more bar associations than any other carrier, so they understand law firms. They also know how valuable your time is, and that's why they make legal malpractice insurance easy. Visit alpsinsurance.com to learn more. That's A-L-P-S-insurance.com. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? 
InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com slash simple. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. We're taking a break from the hot or not format we usually use in this segment uh, because Tom got a 49-inch monitor, and I want to ask him about it. So Tom will tell us about the new monitor and try to answer the question of the day, which is, can a monitor ever be too big, or is he planning to go even bigger? Tom, what is it like in the land of giant monitors? Okay, I have two primary thoughts. One, I really love my 49-inch monitor. Two, I really don't need my 49-inch monitor, I think is the conclusion that I've come to. First, I am a very amateur gamer. If there are any World of Warcraft fans out there, please let me know. I would love to be friends. I don't have many friends on there. I'd love to connect with you. Playing Warcraft on this monitor is amazing. It's really how video games are meant to be played on the PC. If you're not playing with a massive TV, it's just awesome being able to see 49 inches of your whole game area It's really a wonderful experience. That said, when it's time to do work, I find, and and I would say that for uh, between the massive monitor and connecting two or three monitors together, I still think this is vastly superior. It's all seamless. It's all together in the same place. I'm not having to look between monitors. There's not having to move from one window to the next. It's all in one place. So I very much prefer that, but I preferred that with the 39-inch monitor as well. When it's time to do work, though, I find that I am positioning my windows closer to the center of the screen. I think the problem are the left and the right edges. To see what's going over there, I literally have to turn my head um, to uh, just a little bit to see what's going on. It's not terrible, but it's not great either. And, you know, as we record this podcast, it's great. I have Audacity in the left third of my screen. I have Zoom in the middle third. And I have the script that we're talking f- through here um, on, the, on, the, on the right third of the screen. And it's great. It's easy to view. I, I, love to, I love to use it this way. It's working very well. Love the monitor. I didn't absolutely need it, though. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because you talked me into going to what I think is a 34-inch monitor that I have now from the the 12-inch uh, MacBook, which I which I loved. Um, and, in, you know, and, and now uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with this, although I would say some of the same things with progressive lenses that I, too, have to turn my head, you know, to get to get to the edges. Not a big deal. And it does seem like it takes up it feels like I have less desk space is, is the way I would say it. But it's great because I can, you know, I typically uh, have divided the screen into into force and I have the things that I'm looking at and working on, you know, like each taking up a fourth and I'm used to saying, oh, uh, you know, Twitter, I look in the upper right, you know, whenever I want to to, to look at that, um, you know, email is in, in another place. And then I can also you know, just pull a Word document that I'm working on over the top of everything. And so there, it just feels like there's there's plenty of room. So I do like that. But I don't know, like the 49-inch just seems like 
immense. And then we've talked about when we've uh, done video and we're recording time is that uh, these big monitors throw off a lot of light. And, And if they if they change a bit while you're like on video, you can, you know, all of a sudden you'll be bright and then you'll be, you know, less bright. So it's, it's kind of funny uh, how they work. No, but but look at me right now in the camera. I'm not terribly bright right now. I mean, there's not a lot of brightness there. So Right. So, uh, but you do. And, and it, I think the bigger the monitor, you probably tend more toward the, the using the dark mode as opposed to the light mode. You know, so, it's, so there are some things you'll work with. I think probably, you know, as... Uh, again, I'm I'm going to use the as I get older lead in here, but I th- I think being able to to blow up the fonts bigger and to have room and all of that stuff is good. I don't know that I, could, I would go back to my 12 inch monitor for for work, uh, but I would also say that that you know that iPads and stuff are fine for other things that I do as long as I'm doing sort of one thing at a time or reading or or whatever. Um, so personal choice, but, uh, Tom, what's the, what's the cost on a 49 inch monitor these days? I knew you'd ask me that. I think that the last time and the, and when I purchased it, cause the price, the, the monitor that I have is the, the Dell ultra sharp 49 inch monitor. It's been wavering somewhere between 1200 and $1,400. So not cheap, but not terrible either. To be honest, I think the 39-inch was was somewhere around 1000 to 1100 so it's not too much more expensive um, to go up another 10 inches in your monitor. So it, it's really an interesting time, I think, on monitors, because I probably, you know, truth be told, would look, even though it's, I think, a bit more expensive, I would probably look at the, the new Mac 27-inch studio monitor as opposed to going to 49 but I probably want to try them both before making that decision before I did that kind of investment. Now it's time for our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation. You can use a second as podcast ends. Tom, take it away. Okay, for my parting shot, I have a public service announcement, and that is, for the love of all that's holy, do not use the auto-fit feature on PowerPoint. I am so tired of getting PowerPoint decks where people have turned on autofit. And and for those of you who aren't familiar with how it works, PowerPoint decided they would introduce this this really useful new feature where if you are putting text into a text box on a slide, it will automatically fit the size of the text based on how much text you put in there. So the more text you put in, the smaller it gets. And it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until you can't read it anymore. And um, it it thinks it's being helpful. It's not. I've included a link in the show notes on ways to disable this. Just disable it and learn how to format the text boxes yourself. You will thank me. You will thank everyone. Um, Autofit in PowerPoint is just the worst feature Microsoft's ever introduced. Dennis. Well, there's probably competition for that, as people would say. But the uh, but it is interesting because when you're doing slides, you would like to say, "Oh, I like to have a standard font with standard placement for everything that I do." And then you, as you are working through your slides, you realize, like, "Hey, on this slide, the the font suddenly a little bit smaller," and it's because of this auto fit thing. Uh, so my parting shot is, I. At Michigan State, we did uh, a supply chain law uh, seminar, webinar that was really great and really fun. And there's nothing that's really caught all of our attentions more in the last couple of years than the global supply chain and what's going on with it. So there's a great new book 
by Christopher Mims, who's the technology writer for the Wall Street Journal called Arriving Today, uh, which I would recommend. But even I actually recommend very highly. But even more than that, uh, the Wall Street Journal created basically about a 55 minute video documentary based on the book, uh, which is called Why Global Supply Chains May Never Be the Same. Um, and it's fantastic. And it takes a USB charger from when it's uh, basically made in Vietnam and follows it on, you know, the big container ships and unloaded from the docks and on, uh, you know, semi-trailers and all the way to the door and explaining everything that happens. And it's just amazing. Great, great video, great shots of these big ships and stuff. But it really explains all the issues of the supply chain. And it's it really does make you feel it's kind of magic that we order something online and then the next day or two days later, it arrives at our door. And how many things have to work together for that to happen? And so that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network's page for the show. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or your favorite podcast app or on the Legal Talk Network site where you can find archives of all of our previous shows along with transcripts. If you'd like to get in touch with us, remember you can always reach out to us on LinkedIn, on Twitter, or remember we love to get your voicemail. Send us a voicemail at 720-441-6820. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts, and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.